Welcome to Journal of a Medical Intuitive. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Lisa Vest, and this is episode 24, Indigenous Medical Intuition. I wanted to talk today about a course I'm teaching, a couple of courses I'm teaching on Indigenous Medical Intuition, and just to talk a little bit about the Indigenous roots of this field. This is something that I've talked about and taught somewhat implicitly over the years and just recently I started teaching it more explicitly. As many of you know, I've been a medical intuitive for about 15 years seeing lots of clients and in the last several years I started to teach medical intuition. It was really my students who asked me to. I was teaching lots of other things. I was teaching psychic development, I was teaching mediumship, I was teaching Reiki, intuitive healing energetics, which is an energy healing modality I created. I was teaching Akashic Records. And my students said, well, why aren't you teaching the main thing that you do? (laughs) And for a long time, I wasn't sure if I could teach it because I didn't learn it in a traditional way with a teacher, like with one teacher who was a medical intuitive who taught me medical intuition. I actually have had lots of teachers uh, throughout my life who've taught me a lot of different things. And I kind of brought those together along with what my spirit teachers taught me. And that's how I developed my medical intuition practice. So, you know, when I was young, I was in the black spiritualist church when I was 12 years old. I, my family didn't belong to this church. My family's not religious, but I was a weird kid. I was a very spiritual child and I was always looking for people I could talk to about spirit. And I found out that one of my friends in junior high was, belonged to this church called Church of God in Christ, which we, you know, kind of derisively referred to as the Holy Rollers and that they got the spirit. And I was like, ooh, what's that? I need to go find out what that is because I had all these spirits around me. I was born a medium and I was always, you know, having these communications with spirit, but, you know, no one else knew about it. No one else could see them or hear them. And um, I wanted to, you know, be around people who understood what I was going through. And so I went to her church and lo and behold, the church was full of spirit. Um, and there were some people getting the spirit, um, and, and, but it was just a beautiful thing. And I used to go to church with her for like eight hours on Sunday and my family thought I was crazy, but they didn't understand that for me, it wasn't about Christianity. I wasn't interested in joining the church. I was interested in being around spirit and being around people who understood and recognized and perceived spirit and took it seriously. So that was part of my early training, um, the mothers in the Black Spiritualist Church, and they did laying out of hands, they engaged in spiritual healing. Um, I had my great-grandmother from a really early age who um, identified me as the one in my generation who had her gifts, and so she used to give me teachings, and then after she died, she continued to come to me in my dreams and teach me, and she was a mixed blood, uh, Black, Native American, and white. Um, with some uh, heritage in in North Carolina. And then when I was older, I um, received training in Trinidad from 
some Shango priestesses. I was initiated by four different priestesses from four different Orisha traditions. And this is very unusual. Most people just get initiated by one priest in one tradition. And my guides explained to me later that, you know, I came into this lifetime as somebody who's mixed. I come from a mixed cultural lineage, a mixed race. And, and I came in this body because I came to do work in a different way and that it wouldn't have been appropriate for me to only study and work with one tradition. And so when I got to Trinidad, I ended up getting this um, initiation by these four priestesses. And I later, and that, and that tradition is African. It's um, Afro-Caribbean, but it's very strongly based in West African Yoruba traditions. And also, I, one of the priestesses that initiated me was from Vudan. So I was also initiated, then I got from the Dahomey. The Dahomey traditions in Africa heavily influenced Haitian Vudan or Voodoo. And so I received that, that training. I also um, went to Jamaica and I studied with many Jamaican mothers and priestesses and healers. And they taught me a lot about healing. And I, some of them were um, natural medical intuitives. They could diagnose people intuitively. And I was able to learn from them. But they didn't call themselves medical intuitives, right? They called themselves by different names according to their tradition. I then studied with um, a teacher in the Native American sweat lodge tradition, and I was trained as a firekeeper. Um, and then I've been involved in lots of other ceremonies, Native American and uh, African ceremonies. And I've had a lot of elders um, I've had Seminole elders teach me, black Seminole elders, and um, have just received lots of, and then I also went to the spiritualist community in Florida, and I had many teachers in um, what I call the white spiritualist community who also taught me. And I learned spiritual healing, mediumship, psychic development. Um, I then studied Reiki. I studied to become a hypnosis in um, Dolores Cannon's quantum healing hypnosis technique and lots of other trainings and I've always sought out teachers and I've always tried to get as much training as I can no matter how proficient I might be as a healer I believe that we must maintain the student mind and uh, maintain the humility um, such that we know there is always more to learn and so I had all of these human teachers, and then from an early age, I had spirit teachers, and these were spirits that would come and get me at night and take me to spirit school. They would also take me on tours of the planet to show me different parts of the world. They would take me to the future and the past. And then I've had a number of, of animal and plant teachers. Um, as a child, I was able to communicate with animals and uh, I used to see the auras around plants and trees, and to this day, I still work with the fairy realm, the nature spirits. I still have a close connection to trees and to rocks. And so I've learned also a lot from these beings. 
uh, in my work as a medium and in the Akashic Records and in helping people with medical intuition, I have met the guides of many of my clients. I've met the incarnation guides of many of my clients and I've worked with the guides in the Akashic Records. I've also worked with a number of angels in my healing practice and these were angels that I did not call on. They just showed up and offered to help me and I was very grateful and so Archangel Michael showed up and started working with me many years ago and then when I was doing a lot of healing work, um, I had Raphael and Gabrielle helping me and also Raziel and Kamuel. I've worked with Hilarion. I've worked with the Divine Mother. And I'm not gonna be able to name all of the guides I've worked with. I also have three spirit guides. Um, and so throughout my life, I've been taught and I was pushed onto the path of becoming a medical intuitive. And I had some of my human teachers who said, look, you have this gift, very few people have it, you need to develop this, this is something that we need more of. And, and so I developed the gift with just a lot of practice. I did a lot of work for free, helping a lot of people, and I just kept practicing. And so when my students said, oh, you should teach medical intuition, I was like, well, um, I wasn't taught by a particular teacher. How can I reproduce my life experience, right? <laughs> In the form of a class. And so I did, I started teaching it. A few years ago, I did workshops. And then when the pandemic hit, I started an online certificate course in medical intuition. And I've now um, turned that online course into a um, take at your own pace recorded online course on my website um, and right now I am teaching medical intuition through the shift network and so I just finished teaching a class on indigenous medical intuition that went seven weeks and now I'm about to teach an advanced class on indigenous medical intuition and mysticism that's going to go 14 weeks and this is a live class it's online meets once a week for two hours and it's just been a great opportunity for me to reach out to people all over the globe because the students I've had in these classes are from all over the planet um, so it's it's been really great and I've been so busy with this that I haven't really been uh, posting enough episodes on my podcast or doing enough of a lot of things um, so I thought it was time, and I thought, you know, let me share with my podcast audience a little bit more about the indigenous roots of medical intuition. Um, the reason that Shift ended up asking me to teach this class is because I'm working on a book called The Medical Mystic, and in this book, I have a whole chapter where I'm talking about the in black and indigenous roots of medical intuition. And I was interviewed at a medical intuitive summit and I talked about that. I talked about how people have this mistaken idea about medical intuition that it's something that was invented a couple of decades ago by some Americans, some, you know, fam we, we know their names, some famous Americans. And 
This is completely misguided because there are so many indigenous traditions throughout the world where medical intuition is a natural part of the healing practice. And of course it's not called medical intuition because the term medical intuition was coined by uh, Norm Sheely and Carolyn Miss uh, a few decades ago. Now before they coined this term, uh, the ability to uh, access diagnostic information about somebody's body through intuition was called psychic diagnosis. And so, um, and then in a lot of indigenous traditions, it wasn't called that either. It was just called healing. <laughs> um, and so I became very interested as a researcher for my own book in um, kind of researching and writing more about this. I knew about it just from my own experience, my experience working with um, Native American and African traditions was that this type of ability was something that was common. Um, and so in, in, in starting to talk about this and write about it, I got invited to teach about it. And so what I've been teaching in these classes is I've been teaching my VEST protocol for how to do medical intuition, which I have evidence is, is very effective. So I taught this VEST protocol. Like I said, I didn't know, you know, when I, they asked me to teach it, I asked my guides, you know, how do I teach this class? And my guide said, you've been, you've been, you've been doing medical intuition in a particular way. You just have to reflect on that and write it down and then teach that protocol. And so that's what I did. I created the VEST protocol, which is really just what I've been doing. <laughs> um, it's funny, right? It's funny when you go from doing to teaching because it forces you to be self-reflective. And sometimes I feel a little silly like, I, I don't want it to sound like I take it too, like I take myself too seriously. <laughs> but this is what I was asked to do, right? I was asked to systematize what I do and make it into a class that people could actually learn. Because I can't, I can't take decades of experience and teach that, right? I have to. I had to find a way to systematize it and simplify it um, so that people could take a class from me and could understand all of the things that I've been taught without having to go through decades of training by teachers from lots of different traditions, right? So that's what my guides asked me to do. And so I created this VEST protocol. And so I teach that, but I also teach about the indigenous roots. And I also teach the things that I do that come from those black and indigenous traditions um, that informed my medical intuition. So one of the things I teach about is the importance of working with plant allies and rock allies, um, the importance of being able to work with and communicate with animals. And then we, I talk about altars, setting up an altar, setting up sacred space so that before you do a medical intuition session, you are protected and your client is protected and you're actually calling upon higher level 
um, beings to assist you in your healing practice so that it's not all about you because you know you don't it's important not to get caught up in the ego and thinking oh I'm a healer and I'm healing these people because no you're not you're just a vehicle you're a hollow bone and so I also teach about how to become a hollow bone so that the energy can flow through you to help people and I and that hollow bone idea comes from a Lakota medicine man named Fool's Crow and so I, I explicitly talk about the different indigenous traditions, like the African indigenous tradition of Sangoma, um, which uses medical intuition in its practice. These are healers in South Africa who are able to intuitively diagnose um, their clients through a very um, well-documented Ritual. There's a lot of studies on this particular practice. There's a lot that's been written on it. They have whole societies in South Africa to regulate traditional medicine and to train people. And this is a really powerful um, indigenous tradition. Um, and then there's indigenous traditions in the Americas, in Curandismo, different forms of indigenous traditions throughout Central and South America where people also are able to diagnose intuitively. And so I talk about these things in the class and um, I have also other healers that I, that I interview and I bring them into my class so that students can be exposed not just to my experience but also the experience of, of other healers. Um, so that's what I've been up to, <laughs> is, is working on these classes. Um, as many of you know, I'm in the middle of a pivot where I used to see clients a lot, and my guides, uh, you know, I was in a bad accident, and I couldn't do that for a while. Then my guide said, listen, this happened because we wanted to pivot you. We want you to just write your books, and we want you to teach um, only in certain contexts where there's a global platform. So they want me to reach a global audience and to stop teaching these small classes and to stop doing so much one-on-one -on -one work. And that's been really hard because I love working one-on-one -on -one with clients, and I also love my little classes I used to teach where I had my community of students that was, you know, I got to work with closely and I really miss that. But you know, we have to stay on path and we have to listen to spirit. And this is, the, this is what spirit wants me to do right now. And so that's why I'm teaching these, these bigger classes on this global platform. Um, and I'm no longer teaching the, the smaller classes. Uh, my first book, The Ethical Psychic, is out and available everywhere. My second book, Sovereign Wisdom, which is about Native American philosophy, is um, going to press shortly. And my third book is Medical Mystic, which I'm working on now. And the, the course is really what the book is. I'm teaching from the book. And I think I want to say something else about you know, how did I get, how did I start wanting to write about this and, and teach about this? You know. As I was doing research on the history of medical intuition, I came across this really interesting person, Henry Rucker, who was a medical intuitive and a palmistry, a palmist and a psychic in Chicago who ran his own psychic research foundation. 
and he brought eight other medical intuitives to Norm Sheely's lab in the 60s or 70s, and were, they were all tested and found to be remarkably accurate. And it was because of this, his work, of Henry Rucker's work, that Norm Sheely was first exposed to medical intuition. And Norm Sheely, of course, went on to coin the term, to write several books on it, to even start a teaching program and an institute and to do lots of great work. And it just, it got me thinking about, you know, all of these traditions out there that um, really need to be talked about. And so that we can understand that when we have a tradition like medical intuition, it's, it's ancient, you know. Um, Henry Rucker was uh, being guided in part by Egyptian spirits. And there are just so many um, medicine people and shamans uh, in Asia, Africa, the Americas, um, even in Europe, you know, who, because there still are some indigenous groups in, in Europe and, you know, Japan, you know, there are, there are indigenous people everywhere. And a lot of these people have a tradition of healing that includes intuitive diagnosis, or what we now call medical intuition. And I think we can always benefit by learning ancient traditions, things that have been, that have been practiced for hundreds of years, sometimes thousands of years. These are, these are always traditions we could benefit from learning. So that was really my motivation, uh, was I was thinking about my own experience and uh, my unique training, my unique background, working with so many healers in indigenous um, African and Native American traditions. And I was thinking about, you know, how do I, how do I honor all those teachers, you know? How do I honor all the teachers that I had and, and, and all of the other practitioners who, um, kind of got left out of the, the story. Um, let's bring them back in. Let's, let's, let's tell the full story of, of medical intuition. Um, let's look at its roots. And, and yes, the modern practitioners are important. People like Edgar Cayce, who really popularized the idea of medical intuition by doing so many readings. And then, you know, Louise Hay, Norm Sheely, Carolyn Miss, um, these are all really important people in modern history who've been very impactful in terms of uh, teaching, uh, teaching those of us in the, in the West about medical intuition. And so I'll be, I'm writing about all of that in my book, but I, I, uh, I just feel it's important for me as a, the descendant of indigenous peoples from both Africa and the Americas, it's important for me to do what I can to honor my, my ancestors, my elders, my teachers, um, so that we can really have this information be more widely known, so that more people can, can benefit from it. You know, there was a time when a lot of these indigenous traditions were kept quiet and kept secret. You know, there was so much oppression 
you know, African traditions were outlawed in the Americas under slavery, and for and for you know, a hundred years after slavery. Um, when I was in Jamaica, you know, I was doing some research on the healing traditions in Jamaica, and they were all outlawed up until very recently. And this was this was the legacy from slavery that you know the slave owners didn't want the Africans practicing any of their culture because that would make them stronger. And so all of the practices were outlawed. Well, the same thing happened in the Americas. You know, Native American religion, spirituality, and healing was outlawed. People were punished. Um, traditional um, healing ritual items were taken. Um, some people, some medicine people buried their, their healing tools. Um, people had to be very secretive about passing things down uh, because of all the laws and all the oppression. Um, the same thing happened in Africa with Christianity and missionary work and colonialism. And, but now we're entering this new era. Um, not only are, are those things no longer illegal, um, but there's also been kind of a raising of our consciousness globally um, so that there's more respect for those traditions. And actually some of the fallout from that is that there's been a real problem with cultural appropriation. And that was another reason why a lot of these traditions were kept secret is because there was this tendency starting in like, you know, the 60s and 70s with young people becoming enamored with Native American culture, for example, and then going and learning, going to a sweat lodge or going to a, uh, a sun dance, and then, and then taking that information and using it to misrepresent themselves as Native American uh, tradition holders. And that still happens. We're seeing that lately with, with ayahuasca, with a lot of non- Native people running ayahuasca ceremonies and you know cultural appropriation, which is what I talk about in my in my book, The Ethical Psychic, is still a big problem. But it's not as much of a problem as it was because we have a greater consciousness about cultural appropriation now, and there are a lot more people who are going to push back against it. And so, a lot of indigenous elders and medicine people around the globe have said that now is the time to bring a lot of these secret teachings out into the open and to start sharing them with the planet. And that doesn't mean that anybody has a right to practice these traditions or teach them or make money off them, no. Um, but what it does mean is that there's more allowances being made for um, the sharing of certain aspects of these traditions um, outside of a very small uh, collective. And because of that, I felt that it was a good time to teach indigenous medical intuition. Now, of course, I'm not teaching anything secret. I'm not teaching people how to, how to become indigenous healers. Obviously, that's not gonna happen. But what I am doing is I'm teaching my way of doing medical intuition, the best protocol, and I'm also teaching some of the context in which I practice 
so that people can have a richer understanding of how to be an ethical healer who thinks about community and who thinks about their interconnectedness to plants and animals and land um, community. You know, so that's really, you know, the goal. Um, One of the things that I found that was consistent in all of the traditions, all the indigenous teachers I had, regardless of whether or not they were in Jamaica or uh, North America or uh, Trinidad or regardless of where in the world they were, the commonality that I experienced was that there was always a focus on character. And I was always taught that to be a healer, you have to be a good person. You have to be a person of good character. You have to live your life in a good way. And you can't just engage in whatever behaviors and be a healer. And also the thing that I found in common with a lot of indigenous traditions was this focus on community and this understanding that healing is not just about individuals you know it's about communities and so what I've tried to do with these courses is I've tried to bring some of that teaching that I was given and I've tried to um, put it into a course in such a way that everybody could could learn something from it and I am being guided by spirit to do this work and so I I I do hope that I'm doing it with a good heart and that I'm doing it um, in the way that that I'm being asked to do it. And so I'm guided in in everything that I do. I'm not doing it for personal reasons. So that's what I've been up to, is teaching indigenous medical intuition. Um, If you're interested in my courses, I'll put a link in the description you can also go to my website, um, drvestmedicalintuitive.com, and you can get to the course there. Um, it's best if you go to my website or go to my link, because if you use my link, um, I make money you know, from the course. But if you don't use my link and you just go to the Shift Network, I make a lot less money. <laughs> so if you want to support me as a healer and a teacher, please use my, my link to get to the course and and tell other people about it. Um, I do believe that the more medical intuitives there are in the world, the better off we will all be. Medical intuition is the future of medicine, I believe. Um, In the future, we're not just going to go see a naturopath or a allopath or a Chinese doctor. We're going to go see a team, I think, of healers and doctors, and there's going to be a medical intuitive in every practice. That's what I envision. There are so many people out there suffering from chronic illness who aren't getting diagnosed, or they're getting diagnosed, but they aren't getting the treatment they need. And it doesn't have to be this way. I don't think that so many people have to suffer 
But in order to change that, we have to bring medical intuition into the mainstream more. We have to make it so that everybody can have access to a medical intuitive and everybody can use their insurance to have access to a medical intuitive. And, and people can have their doctors and their therapists working with the medical intuitive, you know, collaborating, not working against each other. And so I feel like I'm helping to bring that future about by training other people to become medical intuitive so that they can help all of these people out there with medical mysteries. Um, oh, I guess I tell you, my class, my advanced class is starting June 12th, which is Monday. And if you haven't already done medical intuition with me or taken the other class I taught on shift, um, they're packaging my intro class and the advanced class, and you could you could get the bundle, you know, get them together. You can also just do the intro class by itself as a um, on-demand course. And yeah, so there's there's different there's different possibilities there. But I'll put some of this in my um, in my description, and then you can just get more information on my website. But I'm going to be sharing more um, in the coming episodes about uh, my healing journey. And also I'm going to be sharing more about the history of medical intuition, of the indigenous roots of medical intuition in my upcoming episodes. Thank you all for joining me. We're listening to a song called Great Spirit produced by The Zero Project and also available on YouTube as the best native music ever by Zen Life Relax channel. Thank you for joining me. This has been Journal of a Medical Intuitive. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Lisa Vest. If you want to support me, you can become a Patreon subscriber um, or take my class. Uh, Thank you.